There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're up just like that. Wow. Hello, friends. And hello, friends. Hello, friends. <laughs> it's the uh, Hot Stove Show presented by Mattress Direct. I'm Tim McKernan. Look, everybody, it's Dan McLaughlin, and we're in the Design Air Heating and Cooling Studios with Budweiser's presentation of our winter meetings coverage. And today, Dan, not only are we going to give our perspective on some news that's taken place since yesterday's show, but we're also going to attempt to use our technology to be joined by friend of the show, Chris Raby. Looking forward to it. Uh, Chris has been busy out at uh, the winter meetings yep. doing Facebook Lives and hosting Sports Open Line with uh, Mike Claiborne of the Cardinals Radio Network and KMOX. So we'll hook up out there. And uh, it's kind of interesting with them being out in Vegas. A lot of times some of the... The information that's been coming out comes out later here because of the time change. And and so the meetings with John Mosellock or the general managers or the president of baseball operations of the various teams are hitting at like 3 o'clock out there or 5 o'clock out there, which means 7 o'clock or 9 o'clock here. Um, but things are, are starting to heat up. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing the Cardinals are getting aggressive with uh, some of the lefties out there in terms of, you know, the the potential of lefties that they're looking at. You know, Miller is a guy that we've heard about. Zach Britton is a guy that we're hearing about. So I think we're going to hear in the next 24 hours more about that. I'm excited about Lee Smith getting into the Hall of Fame, as you've heard me time and again on the broadcast for anybody that knows, yeah. you know, how I do the games. I mean, I'm, I'm pumping a couple of guys that I think that need Need to be uh, in the car uh, in the in baseball's Hall of Fame, and one would be most certainly Lee Smith. I, I've been pumping that one for a long time. The other one certainly would be uh, Larry Walker. Um, the Harold Baines thing is interesting uh, to say the least, but surprised me. Wow, really surprised yeah. me. But Lee Smith needed to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm excited that he goes in, and um, and then looking at what's going on uh, with. You know, the, the, the we talked about the signing of Billy Hamilton yesterday by the Royals, but for the most part, as we said yesterday, a lot of the, the, the things that you hear about yesterday are laying down the framework for yeah. deals that are made today, tomorrow, Thursday, and the following week. But, uh, man, am I happy for Lee Smith. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I loved watching him. Oh, I loved it. When I was a kid. I loved it. And I was t- we were talking before we started the show about that strut, and you were talking about, and I hadn't <laughs> heard this. He did a press conference yesterday with Baines. Yeah. And uh, I think this anecdote's amusing. So it's great. Um, my understanding is he's going to wear a Cubs hat. Yeah, he said he wanted to do that. Into the Hall of Fame. Um, and it, it, for anybody that knows Lee Smith, and you're going to play in the fantasy camp uh, coming up. So Lee at one of the fantasy camps I was at was um, at fantasy camp. And one of the, the groups was, it was really fun. You, you could go to, I got goosebumps thinking about this. You could go uh, learn from the big league picture, pitchers. And one of the stops was learning pitching from Lee Smith and Bruce Suter. I mean, oh my God. pretty cool, right? It's like Field the Dream stuff. Yeah, and I think Izzy was there too. Uh, so that was one group. And then hitting and then outfield, whatever. So somebody was talking about, and he addressed it uh, yesterday in his press conference. He said, hey, Lee, and you know, you could ask questions, and he's great. 
Hey Lee, uh, why do you uh, why why were you always strutting in that long slow strut in from the bullpen? He said, let, let me tell you, you know. And Lee's a mm-hmm. really fun talker. He said, uh, and a great storyteller. He said, well. He said, some of my best drinking buddies were the guys in the grounds crew. <laughs> and he said, so, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there, you know, coming in from the, the bullpen. He said, so I would take my time. And if I took my time and I took it long enough, then if we hit a certain time in the day, those guys would get uh, time and a half. <laughs> so if I knew I could make it to a certain time and took my time, then those guys would get time and a half. So that's what I was always trying to do is get to time and a half. And then, you know, those guys would be uh, more money. So that's what I was trying to do. So How great it, is that? Yeah, it was, How it, great is that? it was fun. And, and uh, you know, I think my understanding was Ozzy was on a committee that, that helped uh, Lee in this particular venture to get uh, elected to the Hall of Fame. And you, you've got – you know, certain writers, you've got certain guys that are trying to uh, get get to the Hall of Fame, and it was important that you had people pushing hard to get there. Um, there's writers, uh, there's people that are parts of, of committees that are, you know, parts of franchises, and then you have former players, and I'm sure those former players are saying, hey, two people that never played the game, um, you know what, it might have been very, very tough to uh, to face old Lee Arthur, and I'm sure Ozzy was one of those guys that played behind him and had to face him and said, not easy to face Lee Smith, and uh, good for Lee. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that is uh, pretty cool. Got into it. There's a variety of different directions I want to go with uh, with today's show because uh, we were talking about how, and I saw Buster only tweet this out earlier today. I don't know if you, you saw it, Dan, about uh, it's, it's one of the practices that it would be nice if it went away, and that is once somebody is in the Hall of Fame uh, to then – celebrate it yeah. and move on. It's a weird spot because I do feel like you want to break it down and you, you want to, you want to dissent. For example, we love playing Mike Francesa clips on the radio show. He so is, I've heard. Yes. <laughs> and he is, he is so fired up about Baines being in. He's like, he, he doesn't like it. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. I was legitimately surprised by that. Uh, and you and I were talking about it and I realized, you know, he's your broadcast partner. I did a show with him and we've both known him for a while. And just that Edmonds only lasted one year on the ballot was one of yeah. the biggest surprises, in part because you can only have 10 people on your ballot. Uh, but I feel like if Baines gets in and him and Edmonds have about the same offensive numbers, if you look at them over the course of Baines' nearly 21-year career, Jim, you know, had the, the gold gloves. Right. And I just wonder if this is going to open up the door for that as far as an appreciation for that goes. Or, or goes many on. players. Or many players. Right. Yeah, especially if Baines, just because that one legitimately surprised me. We'd heard about Lee Smith for a while. But but Baines, I didn't even know that was in play, honestly. Yeah, I, I first of all, I want to hit on your point about uh, kind of crapping on people after they get in the yeah, Hall of Fame. Yeah, it really bothered me. I was on Twitter yesterday, um, and like you, I was surprised that he got in. Now, I knew there were forces behind his selection and guys that really pushed it, and I understood that. Um, and, and you need somebody to kind of – Oh, I, I guess champion the cause and then really make that push, right? You know that that's important to have that and to to make that case to the selection committee and to that the the panel. So I get I get that. You know, even the Pro Football Hall of Fame has that, and others have that in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I, I understand that. But once that player is in, um, and I was going through Twitter, I was seeing articles, Tim, that I, I didn't like that I what I saw. Um, and I, I get that we live in a society that many times can be negative and we pile on the negative, right? I mean, that's just generally what we have. For the most part, that's social media. Yeah. 
Um, but man, some of the, the, the things I was reading, I, I didn't, I, I, to me, when, when a guy gets in the hall of fame, it's a celebration of that guy's career. And when a guy gets into a hall of fame, it's a celebration of his life in, in many ways. I mean, he, he's, it's a celebration of not only, um, a baseball career, but a celebration for his family and his coaches and his little league coaches and his, you know, his mom and dad and all those things that go into it. So instead of piling on the negative, and I know I, I sound like, you know, a two-year-old saying this, I get it. And some people are like, man, shut up, Dan, and grow up. And, you know, guys shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. You know, some people are going to say that. But I, I'm more of a guy that is in my life, you know, I look at – I try to be positive. Um, and I get it. And people are like, you know, quit being Mr. Pollyanna. And I – fine, I get it. But that's how I, I view it. To me, it's a celebration of the guy's career. And it wasn't even 24 hours. It wasn't even, quite frankly, two hours. And I had seen negative comments about uh, Harold Baines. And I, I didn't like it. I, I thought that was a real problem with that. And um, and so that was the, the first thing I saw. And then the next thing I thought of was Larry Walker. And so I did a little digging on this. <clears throat> Right now, there's roughly 450 to 500 guys that were, will vote on this year's Hall of Fame. I have been pushing as hard as I possibly can, and you know this too, um, on the games and oh, on yeah. social media that Larry Walker deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I firmly, firmly believe that. I've made his case with numbers. Um, and matter of fact, if anybody is watching, Tracy Ringlesby who is a great baseball writer? His, the Rocky Mountain News. He well, he he covered the Rockies for a long time, and now he's on, uh, out in Wyoming. But he still covers and does a lot of different things. Matter of fact, he did. Um, I did a national game, and he was my stats guy one time. I mean, he's he is a great guy, Tim, and he has done like a case by case, day by day look at Larry Walker's numbers. Um, and so I did an interview with Larry last year. It's gone viral, which I'm happy about that. I hope people listen to. And Larry is not one to talk about Larry. Yeah. You cannot punish a player for where he plays. And so a lot of people, I think, will punish Larry Walker because he played at Coors Field pre-Humidor. I get that, and I understand that. But I, in my opinion, you can't punish that player for where he played. Um, Larry Walker was a great defensive player. And now in this day and age with sabermetrics – and the type of defensive player that he was, that's not that's not because he played in Coors Field. That's because the guy was a hell of a uh, baseball player defensively. So let's add that to the equation. So having said all this, Baines gets in. Now I'm looking at the case for Larry Walker, and I think there's momentum now that more people are taking a look at Larry Walker. Um, right now there's about 100 ballots in, and this was a – an unscientific look at this study. Mm -hmm. The ballots need to be in by January 1, is my understanding. There's about 100 ballots that are in. This is his ninth year coming up, being on the, the ballot, and he can be on, I guess, 10 years. Um, I think after yesterday, if a writer has not turned in his ballot, which, again, unscientific, about 450, 500 guys will vote, there's a lot of votes that are out there right now for Larry Walker, and I think more and more people are starting to take a hard look at at Larry making the Hall of Fame. And if there's somebody that sees this and somebody that's looking or if there's a writer that wants to talk to me about it, I'd be more than happy to have that conversation with a writer. I don't have a vote. I wish I did because I would make the case for a guy like Larry Walker. Um, I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, 
And it's going to take guys like maybe Tony La Russa and others that um, will have to make that case. And again, unfortunately, I don't, you know, I don't have that vote. Right. Um, uh, but there are those like a Derek Gould, who I think is going to vote for Larry and others like Tracy that will make that case. And again, I would encourage anybody to go back and really look at the, I mean, Tracy makes an unbelievable case. Go back and go on Twitter and look at the day by day that he does uh, leading to that. When you put in Harold Baines, boy, it's, it's going to open up a box of guys that, that should be in, in players. Now I'm on a soapbox and I'm allowed to do this because this is our show and we're 50-50 on this. So my other thing that uh, I've been harping on and I do believe that he should be in is Marvin Miller. Uh, Marvin Miller changed the game. There's three guys I looked at that I think that that should be in um, the Hall of Fame and, and change the game. One is Marvin Miller and what he did for the Players Association uh, and whether people like what he did or not, he should be in the Hall of Fame because he changed the game um, and really, there's four people. He changed the game and what he did um, in terms of the salaries for the players and representing the players. I think Kurt Flood should be in yeah. the Hall of uh, the Hall of Fame. He was an unbelievable player. And he, you talk to Tim McCarver, and I've been out to many dinners with Tim, and Tim has not only told me what a great player that Kurt Flood was, and and Tim obviously a remarkable historian of the game in terms of them every day and knew him very well personally. And, and now, as a great broadcaster, knows all those great players that came before him and after him and tells you this guy was one of the great players, but look at what he did with the reserve clause and standing up for what he believed in. And essentially, it ruined his career in many ways. Yeah. He deserves to be in. I think Tommy John should be in because of what he did for the surgery that we all know is Tommy John surgery. And then look at the numbers. The numbers are remarkable. Um, I think Jim Cott should be in. Jim Cott has almost got 300 wins, and the thing that hurts Jim Cott was his longevity. You know, Jim Cott became a remarkable story in his longevity of 25 years that he pitched in the big leagues. Look at his numbers before he became the guy that was Whitey called, hey, I want you back for one more year, and Jim Cott's kind of going him and hawing and goes, okay, I'll come back for one more year and get that one guy out and stayed at around 270 wins forever just because he could get things. But prior to that, if you would have said Jim Cott was at 19 years and those many wins, he probably gets in. And the other guy, so now I'm going almost on five guys, is George Steinbrenner. And the fact that George Steinbrenner did what he did with an iconic franchise of what he spent to get it and then what he built it into in terms of a business and spending the money that he did and the championships that he won and the attention that he brought to the game of baseball. You know, you can argue with all the things that he did and and some good, some bad, but there's no doubting he brought fun and attention to the game of baseball. And whether you like that, bringing attention to the game is good, good, good. You're selling tickets, your, your TV revenue, all those things are good for the game. And that's why those five guys, in my opinion, should be in the Hall of Fame. You're welcome to give your thoughts on the topic and the triad bank. I'm very passionate. I'm sorry. Of I, those five, I, I'm curious, who do you think is the most likely of those five to get in and who do you think is the least likely? Mm. I would say Jim Cott of those five is the least likely. I would be surprised if he got in. I'm going to say no on that one. You don't think he's the least likely? I, I don't because I, I think there's enough guys with power in the game that are going to make the case harder and harder for people to keep him out. Mm-hmm. I really, he was this close. Yeah. I'll, I'll add another one too, by the way, Ted Simmons. Ted oh, Simmons yeah. was one vote short of 
uh, getting in the Hall of Fame. And I actually I feel like that's going to happen. That one I would. Bet. You've heard me really push on the games. I push for Teddy all the time, and I actually keep this on my phone. If you bear with me, um, on purpose. I looked up these numbers um, on purpose because I think it's important as a broadcaster uh, to push the, cause you never know who's watching our games. Right. It's incredible. The amount of people that will um, Tim be watching us that you have no idea. They're Just watching flipping around watching games all over the country. Absolutely. They do. And I will hear from these people. Um, but here's what I came up with, uh, with Ted Simmons, if I can find it, but I do it on purpose because I won't be able to retain this, all the time, but here it is. Okay, so you want consistency with Ted Simmons. So I, I've got my phone by me on the games, and hopefully you guys find this interesting or not. Okay, all right. So here's here's what I got. I got 2,472 hits over 21 years. Okay, that's pretty good. 287 versus right-handed pitching, 281 against left-handed, right? That's mm-hmm. that's pretty darn good um, in, in terms of consistency. He totaled more walks than strikeouts against both. So these are numbers that I thought would really resonate with voters if they're watching. Durability. This is what I thought was really good. On the turf of St. Louis, okay, in the hot summer months, he played in at least 150 games for seven consecutive seasons on the heat and the turf of St. Louis at Bush Stadium 2. In 1975, he caught 154 games and at that time, he had set the single-season record for hits as a catcher. Wow. So he's doing that in the heat um, with 188. That later was broken by Jason Kendall, who, by the way, was one of my favorite players at, at to cover. One of the most hideous injuries we've ever seen. Isn't it? Awful. Yeah. Um, at the time of his retirement, so this is something to keep in mind, he had 483 doubles, which was the most hit by any catcher in the Hall of Fame, and he held the National League record for home runs by a switch hitter. Okay. That was at the time yeah, of his retirement, retirement, and he doesn't get in. Hit 285, which is 18 points higher than Johnny Bench. So that's something that stands out. He hit 300, uh, hit 300 six times and hit 20 home runs five times as a Cardinal. He was an all-star six times with the Cardinals and twice in the American League. Cardinal switch hitters, he holds the franchise record for career home runs, 172, and RBI, he had 929 by a switch hitter. So if you start looking at those numbers compared to guys that are in the Hall of Fame, including Johnny Bench, to me, now I know that some people say, well, Danny doesn't measure up defensively with those catchers. And I'll, I'll say, yep, you're right. I'll give you that checkbox. Um, but in terms of a hitter and a switch hitter as a catcher and playing on the heat at Bush Stadium, there isn't a guy that compares to him. The problem is he didn't play in New York, Chicago, L.A., and he played in the 70s on teams that, as we all know, in the 70s, when I grew up, those teams just weren't very good here in St. Louis. Yeah, I think, though, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, to answer your question, because um, you're getting absolutely no word on, on this <laughs> podcast, sorry, uh, of the guys that won't get in, I, I would think Kurt Flood might be at the bottom of that. Really? Wow. And, unfor- and I'll tell you why. Because I don't think the modern-day player, if you said, do you know who Kurt Flood is? Unfortunately, yeah. I don't know if a modern-day player would say, I don't know who Kurt Flood is. Yeah. And that's sad because Kurt Flood paved the way for those players and Bryce Harper to go make $500 million. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah that's something else that you're right, that, that, that once that era has passed, then people might not be thinking about it. 
Uh, the chats are very active right now, and that's because there is some breaking news. We are going to go to Chris Raby in Las Vegas at some point, but we do have a big signing. It's not for the Cardinals, but the Phillies are going to be throwing it around, I guess, Dan. They have signed uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, have you seen this news yet? No. So this will be good. So you can guess what the deal is. The Phillies have signed McCutcheon. Okay. And I'll, um, I'll let you right here in front of the fine people on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, three years, 45. Three years, 50. Three years, 50. That's so a pretty good were, guess. That was, that was good prices writing. That was really nice prices writing. I figured three years. Yeah. Three years, 50. He's 32. Some, yeah. Uh, and so three years. But yeah, that, that kind of you know gives you an idea of where the Phillies are. Um, does that then mean that they're not going to be pursuing Harper? What is their outfield no, situation? I, well, it's interesting. I, I I'd have to dig in on this yeah. one a little bit. I I don't I didn't see where he would fit in with that. Uh, but that's, well, that's why when I saw it pop up and people were buzzing about it on Twitter. But right I'll tell now. you why he does sense. Great citizen, good leader, yeah. younger team to have um, that kind of presence. Yeah, and that's why you you pay for a guy like that. I mean, he is um, in terms of a good person and a leader, about as good as you're going to find. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, regarding uh, Phillies and the Harper uh, Harper pursuit, uh, Scott Lauber, who is the Phillies beat reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, tweeting, signing McCutcheon does not mean the Phillies are done in the outfield. He's not a center fielder anymore, so the move doesn't necessarily impact Herrera, um, who really came on last That's year. That's why I was wondering what they did. Uh, could deal Nick Williams or platoon Williams McCutcheon and left and then sign Harper to play right. Yeah, they had an issue on their corner outfield spots, in particular right field. Yeah, lots of possibilities remain. Uh, Bob Nightingale tweeting, Andrew McCutcheon provides great leadership uh, for the Phillies but does not change their pursuit for Bryce Harper. See, so I could have out. You could have tweeted that out. How about I was $5 million short, and I said that he provided. a nice guess, though. That was pretty good. I would have given you a wider berth on the years, and then you were right on it. Yeah, three years, three 15, years I thought. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense. So that is uh, the market, at least for an Andrew McCutcheon. See, that's the thing. When you when you get older, well, when you have younger guys, and the Phillies do have a team, um, and you could see it on the field last year, some of the guys like a Herrera stepping out against Hicks and taking – Remember that game? Oh, yeah, that was a classic. And Hicks ball. threw it 105? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, uh, uh. that's the kind of thing that when that game's over, or if he did it in the middle of the game where Andrew McCutcheon pulls him aside and says, young man, and he puts his arm around him, you're a hell of a talent, okay? But I'm going to tell you, you're going to get killed or you're going to get one of us killed. <laughs> so step in the box and let's play ball. And, <laughs> hey, I love you. I respect you. And by the way, you're leading the league in hitting. Mm. And he was at the time. Yeah. He was a league's he leading hitter. Fire. And um, I think his on-base streak was like at 40-something or 50-something. But you're a player, and we need you. However, I don't want to get a broken rib, and you don't certainly want a broken rib, and none of these broken rib. So, young man, again, <laughs> we love you. We're your teammate. But – Here's how it's going to work. Yeah. Get in the box. Because yeah. if not, we're going to have problems. Yeah. And that's what a guy like Andrew McCutcheon does. And Andrew McCutcheon, by the way, will hit a ground ball and hustle down the line. Andrew will run line to line. Andrew McCutcheon will show you how to play. So guys like that, you need a leader in the clubhouse, behind the scenes, and, you know, every day to show you how to how to play. Mm -hmm. And so – when you sign those kind of players, 
they show you how it's done. Like literally, I, I know this sounds crazy, but how do you dress on the road? You know, how do you work out? Um, how does a veteran treat the rookies? You know what I mean? Those yeah. kind of things are not uh, stuff you just kind of throw to the wayside. I, I know that fans don't see those things, and, and nor should they care. They should care when they show up at the ballpark and they get their hot dog and their beer and their soda, and they're there with their kid, and they're watching the kid's favorite player take fly balls, and you know they watch the game and they go home. I get it. That's what the fans should do and worry about that. But, man, there's a lot of other things that go into this, and a guy like McCutcheon – and the Cardinals have had that, you know, good mm. leadership. That's how you build winning, yeah. and that's how it gets done. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> that's something that, that 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 could be laying the foundation for their run is to have that. It's an intangible. You're not going to yes. see that in statistics, but there's something to be said for it. Uh, two things that I wanted to make sure we discussed here today, and they're coming in in the chat uh, fast and furiously, actually, so people are uh, either sounding off on it, the Triad Bank viewer chat line, uh, or they knew because we had tweeted about it that we were going to talk about this. Uh, and then one of those is we both believe that the Cardinals are still in on Bryce Harper. Uh, we said that yesterday. I put up a Twitter poll uh, earlier this morning, and I wanted to see the results. It's like close to 3,000 votes. Oh, did you get killed? No, it was, I always try to leave them opinion-free <laughs> as possible. Okay. Uh, so it was, I uh, like we're, it. We're over 3,100 votes, nearly 3,200 votes. Do you believe the Cardinals are in on Bryce Harper? More fun with Price is Right for Dan McLaughlin. I, what do you think the response was? It's a simple yes or no. Do you believe the Cardinals are in on Bryce Harper? What do you think the people, 3,200 votes, what do you think the response the percentage was? Yeah. I, my guess would be that uh, 60 to, I'll say 68% said no. God, we need to do the prices right. This is impressive. 71% no, 29% yes. Yeah, that's because I think most people have heard coming from the winter meetings that the Cardinals are in on, you know, Dexter coming back and being the right fielder, which then then tells them that, well, if he's the right fielder, where's Harper going to play? And I also think and they're not meeting with him. Yeah. And that they're out. And and my whole thing has been I'm with them on that. But if the, the years come down and there's no reason to say that that couldn't happen, um that the Cardinals then would re-engage. And I'm not saying the Cardinals are coming in like hot and heavy saying, we got to go get this guy. I've just been saying they're on the periphery and saying, if that happens, on. Right. I mean, I to me on this whole thing, I feel like it's so obvious that they're in. I actually think it's obvious that they're in. But I recognize here on a Facebook Live and people are sitting at work and half paying attention, or they might be podcasting it and listening after the fact, Everything that John Mazalock has said to me indicates that they are in, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but when he's asked, are you, uh, do you have your starting eight? It's highly probable. Well, if he really does, and it, people would go, eh, can't argue with that. I mean, you got yeah. Ozuna, Bader, and, and uh, a combination of Fowler, O'Neill, and, uh, and uh, who am I leaving? Uh, Jose Martinez, potentially, yeah. although they're <clears> about <throat> potentially trading for him, and then obviously Goldschmidt, Wong, DeYoung. Uh, Carpenter and Molina, I think people would be fine with that. But why highly probable? Why say they're going to be going after a left-handed bat? Yes, you can say it's a utility bat, but... And then in Derek Gould's piece this morning in the Post-Dispatch, asked if he had any in-person meetings planned with free agent players like rock star outfielder Bryce Harper is holding in his hometown of Vegas. Mazalak shook his head, and he responded, patience is something we can take advantage of. 
which lines up with exactly what you have been saying. And I think it's actually what Derek Gould has been saying, which is they're going to see how the market for Harper plays out and then act. Yeah. That's so, if, so if he does go for 10 years and $350 million, they might be like, okay, God bless. Congratulations to the Phillies yes. or White Sox or Dodgers or whomever. Yes. But they're keeping an eye on it. Yes. And they can't say that they're in because what's happened before when they've talked about moves and then they don't get them, then they're labeled, oh, you're always the bridesmaid. So no upside there. And then secondarily, if you do say yes, you already got a guy who I don't want to say he's hypersensitive, but you're trying to massage the situation with Dexter Fowler. I would imagine Fowler's probably aware of the circumstances. He just has to play it close to the vest. But either way, if you do get Bryce Harper or even Mike Moustakis, that then impacts somebody who currently thinks they have a starting job with the Cardinals. Uh, it's a domino effect. Yeah. So I get the whole strategy. I, I would assume that they're going to meet with Dexter Fowler this week since they're out there yeah. anyway, and, and they probably have been in very close contact with Dexter, and the medical team has probably been doing that as well, uh, making sure that, you know, He's feeling good, you know, getting the, the, the foot back to where it needs to be by 100% and, and, and going, you know, forward in spring training. Um, they're out there anyway. Go ahead and meet with them. Um, I thought what was interesting is that there has been talk as we're going to visit with Chris Raby, who's out at the winter meetings in, in just a moment. But, you know, Jed Jerko talking about the potential of going to the outfield, you know, and saying, hey, I'm, I feel like I could take that position and – and be a backup if you need me to play the outfield, uh, which then means Jose Martinez. What happens if you dangle him to an American yeah. League club? Um, I've heard rumblings about Will Smith. You know, with the that's Cardinals hot right now this afternoon. Yes, yeah. I mean that's that's a guy that would intrigue me too. Yeah. Um, Tony Watson, you know, another lefty that you're probably going to hear about. So there are a lot of things that are on the table right now, including the the. The carte blanche yeah, movement. That that's, really, that's a, yeah, that's that's a nice patch. That that really that's is a nice. It's patch. it's I need been to request Gardner get me one as well. It, that is, really, I'm jealous of yours. It, apparently, it's been talked about maybe on the agenda <laughs> yeah. at the hot stove meetings in in um with the commissioner. I'm not sure if it's going to make it in terms of the new TV contract that'll probably be addressed out there, but it could. It's all things that are going to be talked about, but those are names you're going to hear about. I find it intriguing that. Jerko, who, by the way, is a fantastic athlete, can play third, short, second, um, would move to, you know, could say I can move to the outfield. I'm going to throw a crazy one out there. Oh, and I, I have I not. I love when you do this. I love when you do this. I have not heard anybody say this, okay? I remember Matt Carpenter way back when playing outfield. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Who's to is, say? Isn't that, where he, isn't that where he started? He started second. They well, they were no. It was outfield. They were trying to find a way. I, like I watched him in San Francisco play in in right field. They were trying to find a way to get him at bats, and they said, you know, go play left or right or whatever it was. And he was like, okay. He went out there and he was fine. You know, I mean, it and I, it was. It takes me back to last year, and uh, I remember talking to Mike Schilt, and and uh, they the big talk was moving Jose Martinez to the and. I said, is it just me, Mike, or is this like, is this that big a deal that Jose Martinez going to the outfield? And he's like, well, he's probably played 10,000 minor league games out there. Mm -hmm. I go, right. It's not that big a deal, right? And he goes, no. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, why are we making a big deal out of it? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, he can catch a fly ball. It's not that big a deal. So, 
you know, I, I just think sometimes we maybe overplay that just a little bit. And I think the Cardinals over the course of six months will get creative with this stuff. Um, I think Derek Dietrich is an option. Daniel Descalso off the bench as a left-handed bat is an option. So all these things are in play as we speak right now. And breaking uh, new, more breaking news. It here just, we go. It just keeps, uh, it just keeps happening. <clears throat> uh, Troy Tulowitzki has been released by the Blue Jays. Really? Just flat out released by the Toronto Blue Jays. That means... the last 10 minutes. I'll tell you what, if, if Tulowitzki is released, that means Marcus Stroman is gone. Or I mean, they're gonna, they're, they've got a couple of pitchers then that are going to be on yeah. the move. That means... They're it, they're they're in they're in, I would they in Mariner so. mode. I would think so. Really? I would think that that means they're open for business. Let's, uh, let's go to Las Vegas and see how business looks. It is our pleasure to welcome to our winter meetings coverage brought to you by Budweiser uh, here on the Hot Stove Show, which is presented by Mattress Direct. Ladies and gentlemen from KMOX, uh, friend of the program, Chris Raby. Chris, hello. Chris, hello, nurse, nurse. Boy, we worked on this like crazy beforehand. Some we're trying this new technology, Dan, and sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not going to work. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, it happens. Happen. Joe Roderick is anxiously. Well, in the meantime, let me tell the audience about our uh, presenting sponsor. That's Mattress Direct. By the way, I did hear Jameson. Jameson, Jameson would like to join check us. In. Jameson yeah. would like to join us. I just got word. By the way, this is brief family moment aside. While yeah. we work on the technology in Las Vegas. That uh, at music class today, Jameson had his first kiss, which is great at 15 months. I oh, don't that's know awesome! If, yeah, oh, no, that's. Uh, <laughs> and he was he was the aggressor, uh, as I understand it. So I guess I got to have a talk with him during, during the family feud tonight. Uh, I'm talking about Steve Harvey's, not uh, not ours at our home. That's kind of funny though. Yeah, I had him. The aggressor. Won't it. <laughs> he was, he went up to a, a girl at music class and kissed her. And I thought, that's great. He's 15. <laughs> only beat me by 18 years. Uh, mattress Direct, the certified sleep specialist. They don't work on commission, and they make it easy to find the right mattress in three steps. If you are looking for a mattress, make sure you go, guys. Great buys from the local guys. It's Mattress Direct. You don't pay retail. You get brand-name mattresses direct from the factory at Mattress Direct, where you get the guaranteed lowest price up front. You can focus on what's important, which is getting a great night's sleep. I am telling you, that's so important. Uh, when we go down to spring training, I am actually getting a mattress from Mattress Race, the one at the place we stay in, because I know that Pat McKern and his staff do it better than anybody else, and I am having it taken from St. Louis down to Jupiter because it's that important. It can mean the world. I used to have major sleep problems. You get a good mattress. It can change the game. They're online at stlmattressdirect.com. That's stlmattressdirect.com. Our presenting sponsor here on the Hot Stove Show with Dan McLaughlin and Tim McKernan, it's Mattress Direct. So uh, we are attempting to get Chris Raby on live from Las Vegas. How are things looking, boys? If it doesn't happen, it, ha it doesn't happen. It's fine. Everything's cool. Uh, but we were talking with him pre-show. We did a dry run, dry mm. run. Sometimes things will happen. Sometimes they don't. What are you going to do? You grind through, Dan. That's what happens I'm in grinding. live broadcasting. You just grind on through. I'm grinding. It's no uh, big deal. Let's see. So in the meantime, I'll take some questions because there are a billion of them coming in on both platforms, both Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, thank you guys for the updates. In your opinion, who is the opening day star and what does the 2019 rotation look like? Kind of like that question. It's usually something we talk about at the picnic table, but we're a few months away. I would imagine 
the Cardinals aren't going to be acquiring any starters. I, I, would, I wouldn't think. Yeah, that's <clears throat> unlikely. So therefore, from those names that we had up on the screen yesterday, you have a ballpark idea of who's in there. Who do you actually there? Um, I'm curious on two guys that we talked about yesterday. Um, one would be Alex Reyes. Where do they go with him? Um, if he's a reliever, um, what you know? What direction can you go? Like, can you go back to back with him? Yeah, or, I think that's a really valid point. So then, if he's a starter, you control what you can do with him. If not, you know, then what do you do as a reliever? Um, the other guy is Gomber. You know. And and could he be a swing man? We we've seen that. You know that he can do that. Um, I think Givens in that rotation where you'd say that if you don't trade Waka, Waka would be in there because with his health issues, he's been a, a yeah. starter. Wainwright, you know, would be a starter. Um, Flaherty's a starter. Michaelis, obviously. Michaelis. I mean, and then I mean, then he rounded out with Martinez, and there you go. Yes, yeah. but man, I like Carlos Martinez as a closer. Do you think that's even in play, or is that just us going, yeah, that was pretty good, and it looked like he kept his focus <laughs> because he didn't know when he was going to be pitching and not pitching? I asked, and I was told, no, he's no. not going to be a closer. So that'll wrap that up, you think? I think. <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing, though. What what if he gets beat out in spring training? And that those kind of things can happen. However, you're allowed, you would think, the leeway and the resume of Martinez to have a bad spring and still be – in the rotation right. you know some guys say well i had a bad spring because i was working on this or i changed an arm angle or and you get the benefit of the doubt because you're in the rotation where other guys are fighting for their lives to be in the rotation so that to me is really kind of a an interesting yeah, question yeah. Um, because there's so many choices i mean right what a great spot to be in absolutely you know? Um, people are asking about Gant. Do you, uh, Michael Bibbs asked, do you foresee Gant being on the move? Seemed to be much better as a starter than out of the pen. What do you think on Gant? One of the names that we, another swing man, yeah. you know, and another guy that would be fighting for his life in that rotation, another swing man. And I'll go back to this. You can never have enough depth. I mean, that would be for certain the way I would look at it is that depth would be the thing that the Cardinals have right now above other teams oh, yeah. more than anybody else is the fact that they've got so much depth above anybody else that I could see in in baseball. You know, right now, 10 guys that could be in a rotation as opposed to anybody else. Uh, In, in other clubs, so that's what puts them ahead, I think, of other teams. Now, they could trade that depth if they wanted to right now, if they so choose and so desire, yeah. but I, man, you've got to have depth. I mean, look at what happened last season with the way that things unfolded to where the, the Memphis rotation was the starting rotation for the Cardinals in August, basically. Yeah. So Their best month by yeah. far, best month in a while. Right, so, you know, you can get aggressive and put your eggs in that basket with Wayno and some of the others, but you better proceed with caution. And and with the understanding that a couple of these guys, Wayno, you don't know after next year. Michael, as you hope, is in your rotation after next year, but he's a free agent. So those are things to keep in mind. It's just curious, is the Raby thing in play or is that officially off, which is fine, uh, on speaker? So he is on? 
Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Let's see if we can get Chris on. Uh, people are asking this question, and and it's got him banty. Uh, there's Chris right there. So Toronto can cut bait and eat the thirty-eight million on Tulo, but the Cardinals have to start Fowler. Where I get kind of nuanced, you don't know what the situation is. You know, if Dexter Fowler is out there on what is opening day, March thirty-first, is it? March yes. First, then let's have that discussion. But people are operating. People, this I had this discussion with the Plowhawk this morning on the radio show that the Cardinals were after John Carlos Stanton, but they're out on Bryce Harper. And I said. Okay, and I love the Plowhawk, of course, but I said you're you're operating off the premise that they're not in on Bryce Harper, and just because of what John Mazelak is saying, I'm telling you that that does not mean that they aren't out on Bryce Harper. So, you know, it's not as simple as that. It requires some kind of going. Okay, maybe they're saying this, but maybe this is really what's going on, and I think that's maybe where oftentimes there's a disconnect on social media and people just assuming uh, certain things that just I don't believe are necessarily. Um, the case part of me wants to see the Cardinals get Bryce Harper just because it would I think it would make them the World Series favorites uh, with oh, yeah. that rotation and then with Goldschmidt I mean they'd, they'd have to be in the top three um, I'm not sure who would have a better lineup I have, I have no idea I mean I guess Boston carries over from you know being the yeah. world champions and who knows what uh, you know who, who else I don't even know who'd be in the mix but either way it, certainly they but then secondarily it would put some of this to bed where you still have a, a decent percentage of the fan base not the majority by any means but I think like 20 percent that's convinced that the organization is hoarding money and I just I just I that you know and people are I'm not going to score anybody I just, I just really disagree with that and I feel like the evidence is there otherwise and here's the other thing regarding that comment let's just say it is March 31st and Dexter Fowler's in the starting lineup what what is the upside to cutting Dexter Fowler right now and eating what is remaining? What is it like? 15? Forty-eight and a yeah, half, yeah. I think. I mean, what? I mean, I, I'm asking. I'm just legitimately curious. Like, what? What is accomplished there? Um, that's not going to agree with it. Uh, so, you know. Um, but a lot of people liked that thought process. Well, if the Blue Jays can cut Tulowitzki, then why can't the Cardinals cut Dexter Fowler? And I'm telling you that you're comparing apples to apples. How are we looking on uh, the great Chris Raby? We got him on a speakerphone. All right. work. So, yeah. what am I going to do? Put it up to the microphone. Put it on the table. All right. Yeah. Let's see if it works. Uh, Chris, are you there? I am here, and this is how Marconi himself envisioned it when radio and... Uh, and Facebook, when he was building Facebook with Zuckerberg. That's right. Yeah, when, when Alexander Graham Bell thought of, uh, of us jetting via speakerphone outside Mandalay Bay and put down uh, Troy Tulowitzki's release. How are you guys? What's going on, man? How are you? Good. Everything's good. Kind of uh, seeing a flurry of, I'm sure you guys have been talking about kind of the flurry of moves that have come down over the last 30 minutes or so. Andrew McCutcheon, the Phillies, Troy Tulowitzki's release, and, um, you know, just kind of waiting to see if any uh, if any dominoes start falling now as a couple of guys are on the move, and if McCutcheon uh, maybe kickstart the outfield market. What are you hearing uh, in, in regards to the Cardinals yesterday with, with Mo and, and let's start with Harper and, and left-handed relief. What are you hearing in that, uh, in that regard? opinions as well because it's been kind of quiet from the Harper camp which um, generally isn't the case when we talk about Scott Boris and some of his clients um, I, I know the semantics of John Mosellock saying he did not have any meetings scheduled with uh, potential free agent targets right now um, I don't know you know what that means if that precludes them from anything I would imagine that they're not closing any doors right now but 
you know, I also know that you've got a couple of outfielders on the roster right now. Certainly Dexter Fowler, who the Cardinals, I think, plan on being a big part of uh, the club, at least as of right now. Uh, I think that, um, you know, in talking with, with them yesterday, they said that Fowler is going to, you know, uh, visit with them and, and also continue to see the Cardinals medical team. If he can get back healthy and he can be a 360, 370 OBP guy and play solid right field defensively, um, I think that, uh, that could be a big addition to the lineup. And then, you know, as far as the left-handed relief is, is concerned, Dan, there was a report uh, today, I believe Mark Saxon was the guy who said the Cardinals have been connected to the Giants and uh, to a couple of lefty relievers they have. I think that would be interesting. I love Will Smith from the left side. Um, I think their name internally to keep an eye on. And then obviously the two big fish, Zach Britton and Andrew Miller. I love both of those guys. I love Zach Britton. Um, haven't heard uh, definitively any teams that have been connected to him yet, but uh, I think that certainly when you when you talk about Paul Goldschmidt and just the $14.5 million, it gives the Cardinals a lot of flexibility in the way of uh, trying to add and trying to add aggressively to the back end of the bullpen. Uh, I'm curious, Chris, because you were in there with uh, John Mazalak yesterday uh, in the room at, the, at, at Mandalay Bay, and one of the things that we've been debating, um, or, or, or twofold really, but it all has to do with the same position, right field. Uh, some fans... Uh, and, and they might be right. Maybe Dan and I are wrong. Some fans are convinced that the Cardinals are just out on Bryce Harper. You were there. You saw his mannerisms. You heard the tone in his voice. Um, let's start with that. What is your opinion? Because I put up a poll uh, on Twitter, and I think uh, what it was a 71% of 3,300 votes say that they do not believe the Cardinals are in on Harper. What do you think? Oh, man. Um, well, it's, it, it's hard to judge John's mannerisms or try to get a read because as you guys know he never comments on or players outside of the organization I will say this though uh, knowing the way they go about their business and I'd be curious both of your opinions I would be surprised if they were definitively out right like does that mean that I think they're front runners or does that they're having dinner with him or does that mean that um, you know, they have had any type of engagement that comes close to a formal negotiation? Maybe not, but to say that they're out, I just don't think that's the way they go about their business. I think and, I what I was gonna say, Chris, is I think they're being so cryptic about it. Yeah. That it tells me that they're that they're really interested. I don't know how to describe it. It's like the the art of war, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, if your enemy is weak, attack. It's just, I, it, to me, it strikes me as so obvious that they also don't want to get people's hopes up. But that you know, when Mazelak was asked, "Do you have your starting eight? That's highly probable, you know. And when he was asked about the Harper situation and why they're not meeting with him, or if he's meeting, well, we can we can use patience to our advantage at this point. That's just. And listen, I could be wrong, and just because I think that the Cardinals are in on Harper, even though the indications might be otherwise, that of course, as you were just saying, doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to wind up with Harper. Yeah, and here's the other thing, like, and it's just kind of the way they go about their business. Even though Paul Goldschmidt had been connected to the Cardinals and there had been some rumors, let me ask you guys this. The fact that the story broke on Twitter, I think John Heyman, in you know, all lower cases, which is generally the way he tweets, tweeted Goldie to cards. Like 90 seconds later, both teams released official press releases, which tells you that 
the deal had already been wrapped up and it didn't break. And yeah. I'm not comparing I'm not comparing the two, but that even in this day and age when everyone seems to know something, there was a level of I don't want to say secrecy. It's not like we're dealing with, you know, um, national security here, but like that's usually not how that happens. And like the releases came out right after the story broke, and that just shows I think um the way that the Cardinals operate. So I think Mo saying yesterday that he doesn't have a meeting lined up with a player. Okay, maybe that's semantics. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe somebody else does. Now I just I would just find it hard to believe that that they would definitively rule anything out right now, considering how focused on on what's coming this year and and honestly the gravity of this upcoming season. Chris, uh, what happens tonight? What time do you meet with Mo, and what's on the table in that conversation? Uh, yeah, so we will be uh, headed up there at, I guess, about 4 o'clock Vegas time, so about three and a half hours, and you know, continue to um, just kind of ask about the way they view this team. I, I think the most impressive or interesting thing to me is to kind of hear how they talk about roster construction, um, and, and specifically in right field. Even taking external options off the table, like you've got Dexter Fowler, what can he mean for you next year? You have Jose Martinez. I know it's been kind of a foregone conclusion that they're going to trade him, but are you really going to trade a guy that's a, you know, 300, 370 average OBP slash guy just to get rid of him? Can you make him fit in the National League? Uh, what makes sense off the bench? Um, how are they going to try to make you're already a significantly better team right now than you were at the end of last season? And again, it can be hard because they won't comment on guys that are outside the organization, but, but even inside the organization – you're at 40 on your 40-man roster right yeah. now. What does the roster churn look like over the next week, over the next month, over the next... Um, you know, I know fans kind of sit around and refresh Twitter, and we do too as baseball fans, guys, and expect something massive to happen right away. It's not always the way it works, but, um, you know, I think there's some some movement happening, and uh, certainly around the industry, I think uh, more to come over the next 48 hours. That uh, that Ben Boyd, who uh, to me is, is right there with you and, and Ackerman uh, in the radio wars, has texted me and Dan and let, let us know that you have a sponsored element uh, at, uh -oh. at 2.31 on KMOX, oh, okay. which is his way of saying, let Chris go. <laughs> so we will let you go. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. We appreciate it. Thanks much, Chuck. You, there he is, Chris Raby of KMOX out there doing all of his uh, winter meetings coverage mm. with, with friend of the program, Mike Claiborne. I enjoyed that. You know what? We made the best of the technology, oh, yeah. and I kind of liked it. And I was glad to get that, that perspective. Uh, that well was done. good Tip stuff. Cap, a nice catch from Joe Roderick on the phone. Ooh, well, well played. Well done. Ball. Hey, uh, Chris Raby's out there in Las Vegas. So is Mike Claiborne. Jimmy the Cat Hayes is out there. Derek Gould. Ben Fredrickson, yeah. uh, who is out there and is on every Friday on Scoops yes, with Danny Mac. Yes, uh, So a lot of great coverage going on. And uh, Jeff Jones, who is writing on Scoops with Danny Mac. He and did a really good piece. Uh, on Lee Smith. Yeah, on Lee Smith. So all of that is there for you. We appreciate all of our sponsors who make this possible. Budweiser is our sponsor of the Winter Meetings coverage this week. Dan and I daily here from the Design Air Heating and Cooling Studios. Design Air is online at designairservice.com. Dan had Seth Goldcamp, uh, one of his techs out at his home last week, to now experience the Design Air heating and cooling differences I have had for a while. It truly is something else. They are the number one trained dealer in the Midwest. They're online at designairservice.com. They are the sponsor of our studios here on the Hot Stove Show presented by... 
mattress direct design air heating and cooling and then triad bank is our sponsor of the viewer chat line which is super active people are uh, kind of making this a uh, a regular visit here for their afternoons while they're at work or listening on the podcast and they're interacting triad bank it's where Dan and I, when we started this company less than a couple months ago, we set up our account there. Uh, if you have a business, I don't know where, other than Triad Bank, uh, located uh, just to the northwest of the Clayton and Lindbergh intersection. It's Triad Bank. Jim Regna truly is the man in the lobby, and he has a great staff, a number of people there uh, that we know and just think very highly of. And uh, I've been doing business with them for years, uh, so it's easy to recommend Triad Bank. Uh, it's, it's, you would know a lot of people who uh, bank there and I uh, can recommend them instantaneously to you. Triad Bank online at triadbanking.com, the sponsor of our viewer chat line. Dan, any final thoughts here before we wrap up this edition of the Hot Stove Show? Uh, let's see. You think something's going to happen between now and the next? You do. Yeah. Lefty yeah. leave or anything? That's the move? I think so. Yeah. I do. I, I'm going to say by tomorrow we're talking about a new edition on the Cardinals. Would you like to go ahead and allocate some of your chips and put no. them in the middle on a cer- certain player? No. I Because I, I was going, but I talked to some people, and I'm not saying... I like when you do this, because this is insight. This is insight. Well, I'm I, guessing, you know, you have insight. No, I. this is this is educated guesses. Right, that's what I'm you got to do, yeah. yeah. I was going all Britain, but then I'm thinking... I'm, you know what threw it all for me? What's the process? I like the When process. Hudson stayed here, ah. threw it all out of whack for me. We both thought he was going to Arizona. Thought he was in Arizona. Yeah. And then when Hudson stayed here, that changed everything. For, I had all these deals. Yeah, you had it all lined up? I had it you all had lined up. You were already done. I did. We knew what the show was going to be. I had the allocation of funds for guys. <laughs> I had the whole nine yards. Well, pretty accurately here on these random stories as they break. Uh, just real quickly on the Tulowitzki thing, is, what do you think's going on there? I mean, he did have a decent 2016. He was okay. I mean, it wasn't. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't Colorado Troy Tulowitzki. No, he, he just can't stay healthy. While, exactly. You know, and bottom line is health, money, rebuild. Yeah, that's yeah. the way I yeah, look boy, at that, it. Boy, that sums it up. I mean, those three words really do sum right? it up. Right. I know? mean, and they've got guys. They got a couple of pitchers that I would assume. Uh, that they would probably trade that they that, that they have value for, and in that division, man, I mean, Tampa Bay won ninety two games last year and didn't get a playoffs, right? That's the thing. I mean, in that division, you win that amount of games and and you don't even sniff the playoffs, right? Yeah, I. So you've got when you do a rebuild there, I mean, you rebuild. You've got to think long term of success, and then in those markets. You've got to think you have to get the right players, but we've got to think of the window and the window to win and try to keep these players here for a two- to three-year period and then go again. I mean, look at Baltimore had it, Tampa Bay had it, and then it's over. You know, where Boston, New York, they kind of just reload. You know what I'm saying? Take a year off, but then they're back. That's right. I was really surprised they they, – because I always thought, and this is last year's off season, but – I was just like, I thought it was odd that they were holding on to Donaldson. Now, I'm glad, with the benefit of hindsight, that they did. But in the right. moment, I always thought the Cardinals' plan, and I could be wrong on this again. This is this is still guessing after the fact. Get Ozuna. Get one of the Marlins. Right. Put it that way. Get one of the Marlins out. For sure. Others, uh, just build a bullpen, obviously, with a bunch of pieces. And then they got Holland at the end. But I think that was going to build depth and then create options and get Donaldson for third. And I think they were surprised when the Blue Jays were holding on because they thought the Blue Jays, after finishing 76 and 86 in 2017, 
would be ready to move on based on what you saw the Yankees being a win away from the World Series in 2017. Obviously, the Red Sox are out there. The, the, the Rays, as you mentioned, were a surprise and that they weren't going to go in and then they kind of held on and, and and now it's burned them. Now they're just letting players mm-hmm. go and, and obviously they basically got done for a song. So, uh, you know, the, the Blue Jays were behind the curve and that's the key. Got to know when to, to buy and sell. And Ooh. that's the thing with the Cardinals. They just... They haven't really. They when's the last time they sold? You know, I really thought. I thought I'm like, oh, 16, they're going to sell. But they were in the mix. 17, they're going to sell. They're in the mix. sure. Once they traded Tommy Pham at like 10 in the morning, I'm like, oh my god, today's sell day. Yeah, and that was it. And that's the thing. That's the thing that I keep going back to. You have 19 straight seasons of competitive baseball with world championships and pennants and division titles and a bunch of NLCSs in there. I like. I like that. I don't want to see the. That's oh. what most baseball fans exist, unless you are the Yankees and Red Sox, and your dip is just like that, and then it's back up. You know, it's it's been pretty incredible. Yeah, to have that kind of run, and so here within the last five days, you've already seen Paul Goldschmidt. We'll see what happens here in the next twenty four hours. Dan thinks there will be something doing with the left hand relief. We will keep an eye on it. We will be back tomorrow, and if there is breaking news, we'll pop up here uh, as quickly as we possibly can with more of the Hot Stove Show. All of our coverage on the winter meet is brought to you by Buzzer. Very grateful for their support, along with Triad Bank, along with Design Air Heating and Cooling, and, of course, our presenting spirit, which is Mattress Direct for Gangster Pete behind the scenes and Joe Roderick. And, of course, Dan McLaughlin. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Hot Stove Show.